0: Good morning to everyone. It's really great joy to be here again this morning and our hearts are overflowing with joy over past blessings last week. I never will forget uh, the few that will go with me, the vision, you know, when you sit in a choir, Madison Square Garden, you look over the thousands or thousands of people and when you see the heaven open, And that people are coming in by the hundred, starting starting to walk in the steps of the Savior to follow him. You know, there's great joy in heaven over one sinner who repentance, but they came by the hundred. So the joy is multiplied and multiplied in our hearts. We have been praying for this and I have been praying for many people in our office and many came to listen and it is wonderful and we are praising the lord it is a great time of praise and it's wonderful even in this world when the christians once in a while get together in such a crowd to hear the gospel and to see this it's a wonderful and great experience well our text for today is psalm 103 and this so wonderfully fit in our lesson this morning, and also it matches our great joy which fills our hearts. And I would suggest that we read it together with a prayerful heart, for the psalmist expresses the thoughts of his soul so much better than we ever can, and it is the very word of God. So let's read it together, Psalm 103. who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executeth righteousness in judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as the father pities his children, for so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rulers over all. Bless the Lord, he is angels. That excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all He he ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to Thee in Jesus' name and our hearts are full with joy. And what thou hast done in our lives, Father, that thou hast placed us out of darkness into light, in the very light of thy dear Son. Thank you so much for this wonderful salvation which we have in him. Lord, that we know that we have a place in thy presence, in thy kingdom, and that Jesus will come again to receive his own Oh, Father, we thank thee so much for our dear Saviour, for his shed blood, which he gave on Calvary's cross, that we might live and have eternal life. And we thank thee for the assurance of salvation, Lord, and for what thou hast done in the past week, Lord, and what you are going to do tonight. Thank thee so much, Lord, And now bless us as we regard thy word this morning. Touch each and every heart, Lord, and let us go out with greater strength, ever witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ, and have this great vision that he is coming again very soon. So, Lord, bless us together this morning and glorify thy name among us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are going on in our Bible doctrines, which we consider. Under the topic, uh, on this we stand. Harry Karo already um, started this new series last week. And he spoke about the Bible, the infallible book. Today we will speak about God. God, how great thou art. Is there a God? Is there a way to know God? Did he, if he exists, ever reveal himself to man? Where does man come from, and where is he going? Are we created? As the Bible tells us, do we come from the hands of God, or are we the final result of chains, of chain reactions, of countless accidental happenings over millions of years? This is the theory of evolution. These are some of the questions which men have and ask outside of faith. Let me say that anyone who is dealing with this complex of questions, no matter how intelligent he is or how bright he is, outside of God's revelation in Jesus Christ, such a person will only add to the confusion which is already here in this world. The source of our knowledge concerning God lies in his written word. The word, what we know, is only that what he himself reveals to us in his word. But not only in his word, in that which he created too, as we will see later. It is true that outside even of Scripture, outside of the Word of God, it is possible for man to know God, or at least to have this knowledge that there is a God. The Bible makes this very clear. And just let's turn to, uh, one moment to Romans 120. Romans 120. There it says in Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So everyone denying the existence of God is without excuse. And everyone denying the existence of God knows deep in his heart no better what he proclaims to believe that there is a God. May no one fool us. It is so. You never will find a perfect atheist. It's an impossibility. You might claim to be, but it is not so. Deep in his heart, he knows that there is a God. But there are many arguments for God's existence besides the word of God. And I only want to deal with three of them this morning. First of all, we have this very popular argument of, uh, based on cause and effect. This was very popular when I went to school about 20 years ago. Simply that we said from nothing, nothing can come. Every uh, effect, every result must have a cause. And then secondly, we have the argument based on the fact of design or the orderly arrangement of nature or in nature. Thirdly, the argument based on the moral and mental nature of man, for his longing in his heart to know God, this is in every heart. His anxiety, which can only be met in God, and can only be explained because we come out of the hand of God. And it is unless that our relationship to God is in order that this need is met. For God is spirit, tells us the Bible. The question is a spiritual one, and the uh, scripture is so clear about this. In John 4, 24, we read, God is spirit. And they that worship Worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And truth came by the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us deal in de- detail a little bit with uh, those arguments. First, cause and effect. Every effect, every result has a cause, as I said before. Sometimes, and you have the same experience, I'm sure, when we try to testify to others about God or give a testimony that there is a God, people say, oh yes, uh, I believe that. You call it God, I call it nature, or whatever you want to call it. You call it God, I call it nature. As if God and nature are one. Just God is another word for nature. For what we see, this is completely nonsense. For instance, if you uh, look at the piano, and this is the field I'm working in, if you look at the piano, you know very well that behind this instrument that there was a plan to build this instrument that there were many men working on this. First, there was a carpenter who cut the wood precisely, and it was put together to build the frame of the instrument. There was a stringer who put the strings in and the tuning pins. There was a tuner who really gave uh, each string the exact tension which it must have to sound right. There was the action put in, and the action consists of many, many parts made out of wood and felt and uh, metal too. And many people have worked on an action of the piano. And there is a polisher who gives this uh, instrument this beautiful finish, and there, of course, is a mover who brings this instrument into the showroom where it shines in all its beauty, that people may buy it. Well, if anyone now would say that uh, this piano is the result of countless of happenings, accidental happenings throughout millions of years, what a nonsense would that be? But somehow this is what philosophers tell us in this world. Imagine what a nonsense that is. Just think of it, you know, there's a tree back somewhere millions of years ago, which just fell into pieces, you know, just the exact pieces. In a mysterious way, it formed itself, you know, to the frame of a piano and somehow, not explainable, not possible, but somehow, of course, this is not a matter from today to tomorrow. It's millions of years are involved, you know, and there are strings coming from somewhere, falling into place with the right tension. And somehow, you know, the action parts came together. Remember this uh, a, a thing of millions of years, you know, we are not dealing with uh, from today to tomorrow. That after all this accidental happenings, We have the final result and this is a beautiful piano. What does the Bible say about all those philosophies in the world? That the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. Only God can answer the complex of questions concerning himself. You know, the Bible never attempts to prove the existence of God. It simply states the fact, God, in the beginning, God created. You know, just think of the simplicity. And this stays in such a contrast to the difficult uh, terminology of philosophers. And modern thinkers and uh, theologians, doesn't it? They can talk for hours and you still don't know what they are talking about. But here isn't this breathtaking. The word of God says in the beginning, God created. That's it. Wonderful. Great. Only the word of God could do this. Or think just a moment of the vastness of space. We are living in a space age, and they are very proud words. a very proud word. We are just touching the very fringe, you know, of space. Think of the billions of stars putting in place there, which have been put in place there. And every star running its own orbit, some in a circle, some in the form of an ellipse but each one going its own orbit. For instance, Mercury makes an one-orbital revolution around the Sun in 88 days. The Venus in 325 days. The Earth in 365 days. This is what we all know. Then the Mars in 687 days. Jupiter in 11 years and 314 days. Saturn in 29 years and 168 days. Uranus in 84 years and 7 days. Neptune in 164 years and 285 days. Pluto in 248 years and 146 days. Yet there is no collision, no deviation. Wonderful. And this is just our solar system, those stars orbiting the sun. This is our solar system. And we know that there are thousands of systems like this. Hard to conceive? God, how great thou art. But of course, as I said before, there are still many people which claim to be atheists, and I have met those people. I believe with all my heart, as I said before, that there is not such a thing. Not anyone, not one, who really is an atheist. There may be many people, and there are, who wish that there would be, wouldn't be any God. And in their philosophy, they think that they can discuss God away, out of existence, to satisfy their own desire. But they know in their heart that there is a God. The Bible makes this very clear. They are with, they are without excuse. Even if they wouldn't look into the Word of God, they are without excuse. I found this out, uh, years ago when I met the first eight years. Then I was uh, working on pianos in a production line and it was piece work and there was a big row of people working, everyone on a piano and I was just young in faith. There was a man next to me, and I witnessed to him about my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he kept on saying, he said, don't bother with me, I'm an atheist. That I finally gave up and made it a matter of prayer to pray for him. so said, I never would speak to him again about the things of the Lord. But then it was him who always came and every day with questions about God, about my faith. That I was very surprised after a while. I, I said, why does it bother you, all this? if this thing is settled in your heart that there is no God? Why does it bother you? And then I realized, you know, that there isn't an atheist. I've met uh, when I was uh, active in the Communist Party over there in Germany that there were many atheists. They were all atheists, claiming to be atheists. And we had great discussions. And later on I realized too that there wasn't one who really was an atheist. And there of course is uh, my own uh, story and my own experience. I was a Catholic and a strong Catholic from home and uh, I was 16 years old when I lost the faith which I said, uh, which I thought I had in God. And that was the day when the Americans came with their 12,000 airplanes and destroyed our city. And my brother died, and uh, they turned our city upside down and upside down and upside down again and again and again. And my mother was praying, you know, during those bombs violence. And you know how falling, you know how the Catholics do. One Holy Mary after the other. And I thought it all over and I said, Mother, shut up, there is no God. How can he allow a thing like this? How can he do it? There is no God. If there is a God, he wouldn't allow it. And then we got out and My brother didn't get out, and I recovered uh, recovered after a week or so. I kept on saying to myself, there is no God. And being under shock still, I remember that I was running around, you know, sometimes shouting, you know, on the street, no God, no God, no hope. It really was bothering me. And after the war, I got involved in the communist youth work, and I was very active in it. And as I said, all my communist friends, they were atheists. And I had to tell myself again and again, there is no God. There can't be a God. But deep in my heart, I was so unsettled, so restless, knowing that something was wrong somewhere, someplace, which I didn't understand. That I came one day to that point, I uh, said, if there's any truth, I have to find out for myself. And about a, a year ago, a man had given to me a Bible which I never opened up. but I opened it up, and I wanted to read. and of course, the first is uh, the first lines go like this in the beginning, God. Created, And when I was reading on through the next pages, that I saw that uh, man was created by the hand of God, and that man was the crown of his creation, and that man was set on this earth to be responsible for everything what he is doing, And that when men uh, failed and rebelled against God, I saw that I couldn't blame God. And that there was a God. And an explanation for it. Why the Americans came and bombed our city? And about 25,000 people died in 20 minutes. It was man who did it. And from the very moment, you know, when Cain slew his brother Abel, you know, and... His mother looked in his broken eyes and saw the blood. From this very moment on, the history of man is the history of bloodshed, increasing from generation to generation. That it is now a big river. We only see that what is around us, our neighborhood. How many problems do we have? But God has to see it all, these terrible things going on in this world. And he is patient. Do you ever think about this? You know, you read something in a paper, you know, you say, how awful, how terrible. But you know, it's a great difference when you see it or when you experience it. You know, when a, when a village is flattened out in, in, in uh, Vietnam, you say, how terrible. But you must be in it to understand what it means, what it is. To see your child bleeding or dying. Or a girl crying to his mother, to her mother, Mother, give me milk. Please give me milk. I have seen this. There was no milk around. She died. And we can multiply this. Can we blame God? No man is responsible. And when people speak about the same lines to me today, I said, don't you worry. God is going to speak the last word as far as history of man is concerned. And it is his patience which keeps him away from executing judgment right now. The doors of salvation are open still and it is his love which keeps it open. Keep the door open. We don't know how long. But that, when I had realized this, that there was a God, then I saw my own sinful nature. At that time, I was traveling around in a, in a band. We had a Dixieland band, and I was playing the guitar. And in a show, and we played for American soldiers and so on, And I I lived a very sinful life. All of a sudden, this life was bothering me, which I was living. That I said to myself, I have to live a better life. How could I ever face God or stand before Him one day? And so I tried. And I tried hard. And again and again, there was defeat and defeat I fell again and again in the same sin, that over a period of time I became so miserable that I started to think the only way out is to get rid of this life, it's no use to live. What good is it? And I was thinking of ways how this could be done, the most quickest and the most uh, painless way. And the only thing which would quiet my nerves a little bit was smoking. And I was a chain smoker. And I'm sure if there would have been dope around at that time, I would have been a hippie, you know, and taking everything I could get. But there was no dope. I had only cigarettes. And they would quiet my nerves a little bit. And so I smoked. I smoked even at night. No, couldn't sleep. Restless in heart. Got up the cigarette. First thing in the morning, the cigarette, before eating, one after the other. I was miserable. And one night again, when I couldn't sleep, and ran out of the house, got dressed and ran out of the house, into the night, and we were living on the outskirts of our city, through the woods. But I didn't find peace. I came back again and it almost became light already. And I didn't know what to do, but I fell on my knees beside my bed. Not to pray, I don't know, but I just fell on my knees beside my bed. And then for the first time in my life, I saw Jesus as he went to Calvary's cross. I have heard this story many times. You know, from... You grow up with it, right? But then for the first time, I saw that he was doing it for me. Wonderful. You know, and when I saw this fellow hanging next to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come within thy kingdom and today you will be with me. In paradise, the reply of the Lord... You know that is tremendous for a Catholic to see that it is not by works that we are saved, that it is by grace. For this poor man, he couldn't do anything to make good for what he had done. It was Jesus who did it for him. Today you will be with me. And then Jesus cried out, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Something which I never could understood before, understand before. And now I understood it. He was made sin for me, for you and for me. And the Lord in heaven had to cover his face because he was sin that moment. He had had to turn away from his son. Terrible agony for the son. But he did it and went through. Oh, what a wonderful experience it was. What a great experience. There was new life for the rest of the night, maybe only for one hour, but I slept. And then I talked to everyone I could get hold of. I couldn't play in this band anymore. I gave it up. They ran my door in to come and to go on tour again. I couldn't do it. Somehow I felt this is wrong. It's a different life now. It was so wonderful and so great. And I started to read the Bible and all, and, and to make it short. It's wonderful to walk with the Savior. You know, weeks later, I thought of a sudden, I haven't smoked. How many times have I tried to, to give it up? I couldn't do it. There might be some characters in the world who can do it, who have such a strong character, who can overcome it. But I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I couldn't make it. I fell in again and again, you know. But weeks later after my conversion, I realized of a sunset and I didn't smoke. The Lord had taken it away. So praise be to him. You know, and this is so wonderful. You know, it all came back and uh, this is a great opportunity now where Billy Graham was on and he is still on tonight. I've never found it so easy to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ as in these days. You know, we are two Christians, it's, uh, it's Steinway, and in our office are about 35 uh, people, and we have made it our goal to invite everyone personally, which we did then, and we had a, a list, you know. Did you speak with him? Yes, I did. Okay. So I take care of him, of such and such. Okay. So it was a wonderful opportunity, and we had a great time, you know. You have no difficulty inviting people, because he is so well known, and uh, the artists who are with him—it's terrific, you know. And I spoke—I uh, I spoke several times to my boss, too, you know, who is Jewish. And he said, "Franz, I have to come anyhow." I, so far, I didn't come, but uh, I was going with my boss uh, the last week. When was it? Wednesday, I guess. Yeah. And we were going together in a taxi cab to. Um, Horowitz's home, the great pianist, we had to look at his piano. So here we are in a taxi cab and my boss turns to me and he said, Franz, how's it going with Billy Graham? How's the crusade going? He said, marvelous, great. You really must come. Uh, He is a wonderful man of God. Yeah, Franz, I have to come, but I'm so busy, you know, and all this and that. Uh, You know, so the taxi driver turns around and looks at me and he said, are you a Christian? He said, praise the Lord, I am a Christian, you know, and this was my marvelous, my greatest decision I ever made. And the Lord is so wonderful. So I talked a little bit about my experience. So he said, praise the Lord, but he turned further around and he said, but what about your body there? You know, so, so my boss says his body is Jewish. So this taxi driver, who is a Negro, he says to him, you better repent from your sin. And you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you a new life. And he, he, furthermore, he said, if you don't do it, the Lord Jesus is coming soon. And he will take your friend away, and will take me away, and his whole church. And then, you Jewish people, you have to go through the tribulation, which will be a terrible time. And you know, my boss said, I'm in tribulation right now. I have so many... <laughs> Many problems. <laughs> I have so many problems. Oh, he said, Sir, you must understand, you know, that is nothing in comparison what you ha- might have now. You can't explain it, what it will be. You better repent from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. He is the Messiah. And my boss said, Well, I don't question this. I believe He is the Messiah. So it went on and on, and we came finally to our destination. We have to get off. So he grabs my hands and said, Praise the Lord, so wonderful to meet you, brother. But but pray for your, for your body. He said, I am. That is my boss. I'm praying for him. <laughs> so someone would think that with this boldness, you know, that uh, uh, my boss would have been offended, you know. But that is what he said to me. He said, Franz, you know, he's a wonderful man. I wish I had the conviction he has. I said, Mr. Ruben, I'm praying for you. Say Franz, France, I know you are. So, there are wonderful opportunities and sometimes very short ones. For instance, I'm going up in an elevator the other day and there, a house of people coming in, you know, on the bottom floor, on the uh, ground floor and so I push my button 16. There comes a man in and see, seeing me pushing button 16. He pushed 15 So he says, you get a little bit closer to heaven than I. That's what he says. (laughs) So I I said to him, sir, do you know what the way to heaven is? And he looked at me, startled. (laughs) He didn't know. So he said, did you ever hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one cometh to the Father but by me? He is God's provision made for us. We are all sinners. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. And Jesus Christ came to die for our sin. And he will bring you to heaven. He is bringing me there. And I know that I have eternal life. And here comes the 15th floor. The doors open. He has to get out. So he turns around to me and holds the door open and he says, and the, uh, many people in the elevator holds the door open and he said, I wish I had your conviction. I said, you can have it. It's a free gift. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the door's closed, and we went up to the 60s. So may the Lord bless him. And I, I thank him for all these wonderful opportunities, you know. was uh, yesterday in a Jewish home again, you know. And uh, uh, I was concerned about this lady because I go there many times, tuning, and she is a journalist, you know. And uh, one's a beautiful lady, but with the kind of life she lives, she looks terrible now. <laughs> And she's a chain smoker, she drinks, you know. The other day she was so sick, I said to her, you shouldn't drink. Shut up, she said to me. (laughs) Well, yesterday I said to her, uh, spoke about the garden, you know, what God is doing. And uh, I said, do you have a Bible? She said, yes. So we got the Bible, and then I showed her several things from the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. You know, and he said, it's only when you look to Jesus you can explain this chapter. And he said, tonight I will read it again. That's what he said. Marvelous. The Lord gives wonderful opportunities. And I'm sorry for all those opportunities where I didn't work up courage enough to speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't worry, you know, if it comes out boldly. We should speak up for the Lord Jesus. You know, and we are going soon over to Germany for three weeks and I have some speaking engagement uh, there too. And I'm very much concerned about it, especially about our, all our relatives. You know, Elizabeth and I, we are the only ones among all our relatives who knows a lot. So this is a great responsibility for us. It might be the last time that we have this opportunity We will go to the north, we will go to the south to see them all. main reason is to bring Jesus to them as we never did before. We have spoken about him, but not boldly enough. Not with that conviction, as it should come out. The way this Negro fellow spoke to my boss. We have to speak up for the Lord Jesus. So pray for us as we go. Let's pray for one another. This is a great thing. I'm so proud that I'm on Mrs. Etchett's prayer list. I feel the prayers. Wonderful. Great. The Lord is doing it. Nothing what we can do. I never will uh, forget this uh, wonderful vision, you know, when you see the garden. That is something breathtaking, you know. You stand in a choir and the, the spotlights are on. You hardly can see. But when the lights are going off, you know, and then you see the garden, all these people it's still terrific, you know. You see the very doors of heaven open, and many have started out to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ this week. Wonderful opportunity, great. You know, it is a great blessing for everyone who goes. But there's an inside and an outside. It's one thing to be in the kingdom of God, another matter to be outside. And what will it be, you know, someday We have to realize that we didn't make it. Never can forget when we came to this country, we had to go to the embassy first in Germany to clear all our papers, you know. And then when we uh, came to New York Harbor, all the papers clear, you know, our pass cut off, you know. Our apartment given up, the thing sold, everything cut off behind us. So we are here. But they don't let us out of the boat. There, first of all, we have to go again to face the offices of entry, you know, and uh, all this. And then, you know, you stay in line and it's funny. Is your paper, are your papers all right, you know? The funny feeling, you know, of course they are all right. We did it over there already, but still you can't help it. You are still thinking, you know, maybe someone was turned away by the way, you know. They had to make some more investigations on him. You know, it is really something. I imagine on on Monday night, Elizabeth said to me, I felt the same way on Monday night. You know, we came in here with the Long Island Rail to go to the garden. We're looking forward to get in Long Island Rail, of course, late. You know, don't let the people in. You know, they are standing there and they see still some seats free. But for one reason or another, no one is allowed to get in. Couldn't understand it. Or you know, inside, beautiful, the whole atmosphere, great, the singing, wonderful, the preaching, great. And to be outside? What will it be the day when the Lord Jesus comes? And we have to realize that we are outside. Now is the door open? How long? I don't know, the Lord knows. You know when Noah built his ark and he was in and everything which should be in was in it says the door was open. It was not up to Noah to close it. It says until so the Lord close the door behind him. It is marvelous. up to the Lord to close the door. Now the door is open. Praise the Lord. This very moment it's open. If anyone is here who doesn't know the Lord, may this person give his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pray that the Lord once more may bless us on this wonderful evening and in the garden and throughout these day the preaching of the word of God here. We are so thankful for the church, for every one of you that he has brought us together. See, this is a marvelous thing that we don't live our, each one is individual christian life that he has brought us together that's wonderful is done by the lord so that we can encourage each other to walk on in the steps of the savior and to carry one's burden one another's burden. father we thank you so much for this hour we had together in thy things lord thank you so much for the gift of eternal life in jesus christ our lord lord for the story which i am able to tell and each one of us can tell a story. There must be a story in our life where we have turned from darkness into light. Each one of us must have a story. There must be a day, a moment, where we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins. If anyone is here, may he look up to Jesus and receive him and his salvation, Lord, and bless us and make us by witnesses, Lord, wherever we are, for we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. For our many needs, yours and mine.